In September 1999, in Dublin, Ireland, Ronald Murray met her death while walking home on a route she took every day. The cruel circumstances of the act left a trail of blood as evidence. To this day, the Irish Guardi have been unable to identify her attacker or bring justice to this young woman and peace to her family. It is a very strange case, and in addition this is considered one of the longest investigations in County Dublin. Jim and Deirdre Murray lived in Glenageary, a Dublin suburb. He was a teacher and she was a secretary. The couple had three children, Daniel, Sarah and Ronaid. Ronaid was born on January 1st, 1982. During her childhood, she said she wanted to be a writer. She loved writing poems and stories. She had a great sensitivity, capturing everything around her and transforming it into words. Growing up, Ronaid was a typical 90s teenager. She loved rock bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, and she was a fan of the singer George Michael. At school, she was known as the girl who was welcome in any group, from conservatives to the most liberal. She appreciated diversity among people and defended everyone's right to be exactly the way they are. Despite talking to everyone, the group she hung out with most was a group of goths. Ronaid stood out for being the only one to dress in colourful clothes. Every afternoon they walked together and spent hours in a private corner of a beach, which they called the Temple. They sat around listening to music, writing, dating, philosophising. No one kept track of time. Ronade gave great advice. She didn't judge anyone and always had a positive solution for the problem at hand. Many of her friends described her as too mature for her age. She was also very funny and loved to tell jokes. When she arrived at a party or the pub, she sat briefly at each table, spending time with each group of friends. Everyone appreciated her presence. Except one person, a girl from the group she was with. This girl also stood out from the rest, but for other reasons. She was closed, quiet and aggressive. Within the group, she was sometimes called the psychopath due to the macabre comments she made. But the group accepted her anyway, because the basis of their union was inclusion. Every now and then she would get into a fight with someone from her own group. But there was one person whom she despised but never fought with. That person was Ronade. Every time Ronade turned her back, the girl would start criticising her, insulting her with intense jealousy. At age 17, in 1999, Ronade decided to get a part-time job during the summer. After distributing resumes in her neighbourhood, she was asked to work as a salesperson at a boutique called Sally West. Customers who said they were just looking or were still undecided returned later and insisted on being served by her. She got along very well with the other salespeople and was very responsible. So much so that a few months after starting work, she received a copy of the store key. On September 4th, 1999, Renee arranged for her mother to go to the store where she worked to buy some clothes. This was the first time Deirdre had been to her daughter's work. 
She could see how much she was loved by her colleagues at the store and by the customers. She spent hours in the dressing room while her daughter brought in several models. The two talked and laughed like two old friends. They had a wonderful afternoon together. Ireland, and especially Dublin, is known for its pubs, and they are truly part of the culture and daily life of the locals. The minimum age to purchase alcoholic beverages in Ireland is 18 years old. Places such as supermarkets and small businesses that do not have a specific license for selling alcoholic beverages are prohibited from selling alcohol after 10pm. Pubs and restaurants that have this off-license can sell, but consumers cannot leave the premises. They are for internal consumption only. Ronade knew all the pubs in the neighbourhood where she worked, which was the same neighbourhood she lived in, and of course, at the age of 17, she already knew where to go if she wanted to have a drink, even though she was still underage. When the store she worked in closed at 9pm, she crossed the street and went into a pub called Scott's to meet some friends, eat and drink something. But during this meeting, the friends decided that they would go to Paparazzi, a local nightclub. Rone decided to meet them there later, as she still needed to go home, take a shower and change her clothes. At 11.20pm, everyone decided to close the tab at the pub. When they left, everyone went to one side and ended up meeting around midnight at Paparazzi. Ronade went home, walking as usual. The journey from Scott's to her house would take about 15 minutes, so one of her friends called Ronade's house just before midnight to say that everyone had given up on going to the club. But her home phone rang three times, and when it was answered, it was the voice of Jim, Ronade's father. Embarrassed for having woken him, the friend said nothing and hung up. If she hadn't hung up, Jim would have told her that his daughter wasn't home yet. Returning home on foot, Sarah, who was with two friends, was surprised to see what from afar looked like someone lying on the sidewalk near her house. As she got closer, she saw that the young woman lying in a pool of blood was her sister. Ronade was just 45 metres from the house, The Gardi were called, and they immediately searched the place, but found no one. When analysing her body lying on the ground, they noticed that she was fully dressed and that all her belongings were intact, without any sign of robbery or sexual violence. The autopsy report says that the young woman had received more than 30 blows from something like a double-bladed knife. Furthermore, it was identified that the blows appeared to have been made by someone of medium height and that due to the direction of the blows, the attacker was probably stained with blood as well. Female DNA was found under Raunade's fingernails, but investigators preferred not to associate it solely with the attacker because the young woman worked in a women's clothing store and had dealt with many women during that day. The family appeared on TV, asking people to try to remember some details of that night. Something that had perhaps gone unnoticed, but that, knowing what had happened, would perhaps shed some light on the case. 
Many attended the funeral mass that her parents organised at the local church. Friends from school, teachers, co-workers, her siblings, friends and many people unknown to them who, due to the media coverage, were shocked by the tragedy. During the investigation, the following happened. A pedestrian, who we will call Witness 1, says she saw Ronade at 11.53pm walking on the street the pub and arguing with a boy. She was walking quickly and some distance ahead of him. They seemed to know each other and were in dispute. She describes the man as being tall, thin, with dark blonde hair styled in a modern, messy way. He looked to be between 20 and 25 years old, wearing cargo pants and a sweater despite it being hot. A second witness, who we will call Witness 2, says he saw Rayonade on the corner of Scott's Pub and Glenageary Avenue around midnight, and on that occasion she was alone. This location where the second witness sees her is only seven minutes from Scott's, so it is a mystery as to what she did in this 40-minute window, given that she and her friends had left the pub at 11.20pm. Witness 3 was on the porch of their house and said they saw Ronade pass by while she was fighting with someone. The first to be interviewed were the friends who were at Scott's pub on the night of the crime, followed by their other friends, co-workers and family. Everyone said they had no idea why this had happened because the young woman was loved by everyone. Outside of the circle of friends who were at the bar with her that night, investigators also interviewed residents and business owners of premises along Rownade's route. A resident of the block where she was attacked said that at around midnight she saw a young man of 20 years old, wearing long pants and a short-sleeved t-shirt running very quickly. Another young man had met Ronade at the paparazzi nightclub more than a month before the crime. Her friends didn't know his name, but could recognise him, describing him as thin, tall, dark blonde hair and well-dressed. They said that when Ronade met him, the two danced and then went out for a snack. Soon after that, she left but felt she was being followed and decided to stop at a friend's apartment along the way. She was so scared that instead of continuing to walk home, she called a taxi. Another suspect was a man of around 25-30 years old who took a taxi close to the street of the attack at around 10pm. The taxi driver noticed that he had blood on his pants and described his behaviour as strange. After he gave the taxi driver the destination address, what happened inside the taxi was, let's say, strange. This passenger asked the driver several times to bring him to his home a little bit faster, and some metres before the driver got to the destination, the man asked him to stop. He paid and left the car, walking very fast. But seconds later, the taxi driver observed that the man was waiting for him to drive off. It was as if he was hiding his true destination from the driver. After this statement, the Gardi went to both destinations, and in both there was no resident matching the passenger's description. After a sketch of him was circulated, several people went to the Gardi saying they had seen him in that area. 
A person very similar to the one in the portrait was identified and questioned, but he had a strong alibi. He had been at work and was soon released. Without many clues, investigators began to focus more on the group she was with. Sometimes they interviewed them in groups, other times one by one, to capture inconsistencies in their versions of events. One of the group members drew the most attention as her statements made it clear how jealous she was of Ranid. Her name was never released and she was never formally charged. She had an alibi for that night and her DNA was not compatible with the victim's nails. But some facts place her in a dubious position in this puzzle. A witness says she saw a young woman aged between 17 and 23 with shoulder-length brown hair like hers on the street where Ronade was attacked. At the same time, the police arrived at the scene, but she was further away. She was also the first to inform the entire group that Raynid had died. It turns out that the friends were officially informed by the police about the death in the morning, but this girl had already informed all her friends at an earlier time than the police officers themselves. So how did she know about this? In interviews, the guards noticed that her behaviour was closed and she showed signs of aggression and a lack of empathy. They also discovered that her boyfriend was obsessed with Rayonade and that before dating her, he had made it clear to everyone how much he was in love with Rayonade, but she had not reciprocated. This girl had ties to members of the Irish Republican Army and because of this, she gave off an air of superiority, even to the Guardi. Due to this connection, they soon removed her from the list of suspects. She left Dublin a year after the incident and went abroad. Nine months later, Raonade's grave was attacked by vandals. They spray-painted her headstone and scattered the flowers laid around it. The Guardi investigated to see if the act was linked to her killer, but they didn't discover anything. The following year, the same thing was done, and again for several years. The young woman could not rest in peace even after her death. In 2009, on the 10th anniversary of her death, the girl's family created a website so that people could leave tributes and perhaps clues about the crime. But unfortunately, in the midst of so many beautiful messages, anonymous messages of hate began to appear. The messages contained insults, judgments on Ronade's appearance, and other messages that hurt the family even more. The comments were investigated, and there was hope that they would take custody of the culprit, but nothing was achieved. In 2019, 20 years after the event, Ronide's parents went on TV again to ask the public for clues. They offered €190,000 to anyone who would bring forward information that would lead to the arrest of their daughter's killer. At the same time, some girls from the Gothic group met with the authorities again, and in the conversations it became clear that many of them believed that the aggressive young woman was responsible for the crime. They also believed that because her family is connected to the IRA, the Gardi may have been afraid to investigate her 
According to Sergeant Don Griffin, who gave an interview to the Irish Times, this is one of the biggest and longest investigations in Dublin. To date, more than 100 investigators have been involved in the case. 50 DNA samples have been analysed. More than 3,500 statements were collected and 12 temporary arrests were made. But unfortunately, no one has been officially found responsible. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você... Venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca, porque afinal de contas é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui no Pátria Amada Criminal. 